the last night of our session and gathering. And uh, now the teachers asked me to give a talk about Nibbana. <laughs> what do you think about that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were friends, you know. <laughs> mm. Well. I think when you come to the uh, these senses of closures, uh, they are, of course, nothing really closes; it just shifts, you know. When you get when you have these constructed experiences, such as a retreat, which is definitely an artifice, but it's a useful one because you get a sense of a map and deeper than hold your experience in a particular frame of reference that allows you to deepen into because so much of the ongoing of our lives is relaxed, you know, there's no way to not going on a retreat, we're not going forward in time really. That's the nature of it, isn't it? Retreat generally in a moving place, in a moving time. You know, you get those ideas of progress and, you know, but actually, no, that idea is stressful. Because mm-hmm. it's something about, well, I mean, the phrases that are more useful that we often use, I think about opening, pausing, allowing, what arises, emerges. There's some kind of movement, but it's not really moving forward, it's, so it's another kind of moving, isn't it? Maybe noticed, uh, you know, when we cultivate the Dhamma, you realise the mind can definitely move forward. That's what it's normally doing or trying to do, seemingly, to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And you find it is stressful. We're trying to hold on to the past. That, what was that about? Figure it out. That's stressful. And then with the relinquishment of those movements, mind does something else. It opens. Perspective mm. shifts, the landscape shifts, the territory shifts. It's not time bound. This is an essential characteristic of Dhamma. Unkarlical, not bound in time. So you really, even if we talk about the present moment, it's, it's not really that accurate because a moment implies some kind of particle you know, this moment and the next moment, the moment. 
Is that how it is? When does the future begin? <laughs> when is the boundary between the past and the present? The present? There isn't one in there. It is kind of the, the way that our constructed and constructing mind likes to create these kind of boxes, categories, and lines for a good enough reason. But uh, that's not the direction of Nibbana. Nibbana is the, the non, the unbinding. We may obviously consider all Nibbana, maybe. You know, I might get a whiff of that in 10 years' time, perhaps. Or something seemed like Nibbana a couple of years ago, like really intense retreat. Or, well, maybe next lifetime. Oh, no. <laughs> and the mind still can operate in terms of time. You know, could someone like me experience Nibbana? Surely that's just for saintly beings. So it conceives of, a, of an entity, a person who could experience it. <laughs> that's a construction too, isn't it? Can women realize the bond? Absolutely not. Men? No. They can't do it either. <laughs> monks, monks never get there. Not a lay people. <laughs> so it's in the, <laughs> the relinquishment of these categories. This is an unbinding, isn't it? What a relief. And that's the aim of it. Why bother anybody? <laughs> it's such a struggle and such a remote remote possibility for some special esoteric being. I mean, why put the effort in to realise it? Why just oh well. The point is it's about taking a weight off the mind, taking a burden, taking pressure off. You know, it's um, when you look at it really colloquially, like the Buddha said, take a break. Take a break from Sangsara, that's all. Take a break from constructing. So, that's what it is. I'm taking a break. <laughs> I want you, you know, and just get that sense of. Do, do you know how to do? Do you know where to go for that? And this is kind of what we do exercises for: is to begin to, you know, reveal some of the fundamental constructions and the constructions within the constructions and the really brutal constructions within the constructions and the ones you really get stuck in to reveal the constructed and you know how the mind just bangs into it, locks into it habitually 
know, thinking it might go shift it, or deal with it, or understand it, or at least blame on somebody. <laughs> so this way, my hand was around inside this trap, not realizing that its movement is creating a trap. The movement of remembering and creating oneself, creating others, creating an ought to, creating a should, creating what people expect of me, creating what I expect of myself, creating, 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 something that we almost have no control over. These involuntary creations. But it's the, this is the, this definitely this is about what it's about because you know that painful and limited. Yeah, so you see, just work on the bit that you, you can get hold of because any place you begin to do release with is going to give rise to this taste of it. So the mind knows the flavour. Oh, that. That when I stopped, that when there was a stopping, there was the opening, there was a... So, you know, the Buddha saying this Dhamma video, the realization and training, that's one flavor, just like the sea, wherever it is, Indian Ocean, Pacific Ocean, one taste, salt. There's Dhamma anywhere, one taste, taste of freedom, taste of liberation. Anywhere where there's a relinquishment of construction. So I'm kind of abstract. But, um, you know, the pragmatism is it all can just those silly habits, those silly, embarrassingly personal habits. <laughs> you know, the addictions, the minor addictions, addictions to talking, to you know, the comforts and the addictions um, and learning to know, you know, what it does. Clinging, addiction, really. We're all have addictions. It's addictions to what? Something that will hold me together in a kind of familiar place. Some of it, hopefully, comfortable for a while, some of it just miserable, but the mind knows where to go, so it goes to the constructed. Because it knows that that path is known, slides into it easy. So as we, you know, realise that the practice of taking a break, actually, 
isn't such a pushover as one would hope. It takes quite a bit of working on these clinging addictions. And they are personalised. That gives them a bit of um, colour, density. I really am this. It gives it some dimension. It's my history. I go back to that. Definitely is me and I'm me in that. It's got that, that taste. It doesn't taste the freedom, it tastes me. <laughs> and we never had to go to that one. So they're also flavoured with uh, acquisition. You know, I can get, have the greed quality um, to attain and grab and hold and bury into. And quite a bit of it, surprisingly enough, is aversive. When the Buddha talked of the three unskillful attitudes or motivations or you know, some cover intentions. One to do with sensuality. Two, one to do with something like malevolence. One to do with cruelty, aggressiveness, harming. And so two, which are you know, we have more of that. More of it's about something hurting. And the reactions around that. It could be hurting ourselves, aggression towards ourselves, blaming ourselves, not being empathic and loving and bestowing to ourselves, not generous to ourselves. Not generous to, not just to ourselves, but specific pieces that arise that we find distasteful. We, yeah, shut up. Go away, fix it, change it. it. Shouldn't feel like this. Other people will not, will look down on me if I'm like this. Other people, who's that? No. Fear. Anxiety, shame, guilt. There, we construct a world of self and other around these locked frustrations, pain. Can we get to the point? Not what? You know, I think other people think. But what is felt, 
shame, not wanting to be inadequacy, lost, can't make it, stupid, feeble, whatever. So he really, in his practice, really began to name the qualities in the chitta, in the whole mind. And using these practices as we have been doing to speak them out and speak out that which can be present with them. Using the presence of another who is not saying I should be this or I shouldn't be that. Just there, open. Just to break that vortex of I am not, I should, I can't, other people think, what, that kind of agitation and the holes that we are able to perhaps release some of this reflexive constructing self, other, past, should be, couldn't be, why don't I, will I, don't want this pain, the fluttering struggle, till what can arise out of that courageous holding, it takes faith to hold it, definitely there's courage, and it might Realize as we, this weird idea that if we hold the afflictive carefully, non labeling self, other, she did this, he didn't do that, just not, not labeling, there could be an opening into something beyond that. This, of course, is the noble truth are about, isn't it? You attend to Dukkha. And the Dukkha that's generated through these karma constructions, perceptions, mental creations, fabrications, Because of the feeling tone that the mind resists and favours. The amazing uh, grace is that when the (laughs) dukkha is thoroughly held, carefully held, what what can arise within that? Like you. Burst the abscess. Mm-hmm. You feel that kind of, of uh, something shakes and there's a release. You're craving to be something. Spasms. The craving to get away from something. Urges and then it flows through. Oh. 
that's the way it was. And it's just struggle, struggling itself and creating a person out of it. Cessation. So anyway, this is a kind of like a little microcosm of practice path. And uh, it's explained in a range of ways. The Buddha was certainly tireless. Um, and approached uh, the release and the Ibarra experience from a number of ways but it all involved the relinquishment of the constructed not the aversion to it not the aversion to it but the enough of this uh, enough of this Nibida, just enough. <laughs> you know, no, but just enough. This and uh, you know, that's called that's uh, like called weariness of it, or uh, disenchantment. We no longer rattled, dazzled, spasming, generating persons and future and past over these things. It is enough. Nibida um, is the kind of was like the, the, the turning over of the mind from the constructed to the unconstructed. This can be as you know as specific and poignant as you know a remembered event that comes up in our minds. Remembered piece of current flowing puzzle, conundrum, craving, disappointment, shame, fear, inadequacy, pain. Very poignant, personal, specific. Because it's not theoretical, this is in, in you, Pachatam. It means this is to be realized in one's. Self, not in one's ego, but in one's personal subjective experience. Seemingly, look, nobody else gets one of these, surely. You know, this is all mine. <laughs> you know, it's my cousin, and da, da, da. it's definitely very personal. You strip it down, nope. <laughs> it's just got a personal face to it. But we're looking at this same kind of resonances of loss or wanting more or didn't do well enough or you know why did they do that? you know we're looking at the same kind of tonalities this is why we're meditating is the you know to to look through the seemingly very personal and shifting time world of persons and events and yesterday and three years ago and I never so Actually, the tones, the, ang- the anxious or the regretted or the hurt or the needing, you think well, that's the same voice at that level. It's no longer personal, although it's of course subjective. 
you know, it's right here. So we have to approach it right here, right here, in all its specific quality in my throat, in my belly, that place in my mind that resists. So it's quite specific, and yet we also approach it impersonally. This is a feeling, this is a perception, this is an agitation, this is a resistance, this is a longing. These are qualities that minds do as they struggle in the trap. We slide then remove one very significant layer or one significant element of that trap which binds it together, which is the person. The person is always bound in time and space and uh, you know, comes back to this apparent physical form and you start to look at God, who is this? You know? <laughs> who is the speaker? It's specific, but there's no... There's no real lasting substance to it. However repeated it is. Like this voice. It's just the voice, it's sound. And it's gone. The silence accepts it. So we're beginning to practice the deconstruction within a field, a context, a matrix, a practice, you know, everyone with some setting that supports the deconstruction. We can use this relational paradigm, helping to deconstruct you know, the, the fear, the embarrassment, the uh, just the you know the, the occlusion, the embeddedness of it, because now we open it out. Just that shift, and of course, meditation is various means, ways is. Is about that. A context which does not resist, judge, clamp down, close, mindfulness, okay? hold the space, and whatever will support that. So, so often it says, oh, what supports it? Right view, these are qualities that arise. Whenever it becomes a person, then the mindfulness gets distorted into problem solving. You know, how to get the person out of this mess. And, you know, I mean, seems a good idea. But this isn't Samasati, 
right view, these are qualities that arise that need to express themselves so that they can finish their what they have to say. And what if you want to let them get to the end of the sentence and go away and finish it off? They need a little bit of help and time. You know, the time frame is really the subtle holding to allow the expression of qualities mm. to manifest. Yeah. Mm. Without resisting, clamping down. Because so much of it is of a negative and afflictive nature. You know, if it's greed, it's kind of afflictive because we feel stuck with it and, you know, sometimes are embarrassed by it. It's always constrictive. It's greed, it's constrictive. Hatred is constrictive, it constricts, attracts it. That's the afflictive nature of it. Because it so has this afflictive quality, this sense of, you know, rock bottom, kitchen sink, goodwill. To generate with the, the atmosphere, to hold the atmosphere of kindness and various forms of goodwill, nourishing, feeding yourself. So if you're feeding, there's no other hunger for approval or for gratification of some kind. When there's compassion, there's no longer the flinching from the uncomfortable sense of moving towards the uncomfortable with, tell me more, tell me more. Till you finished saying what you had to say. Mm-hmm. And clearly, we could talk a lot about these qualities, and this Dhamma never really ends in that sense. But primarily, you get right, even at the, you see how fundamental this resonance, this quality of goodwill is. To liberation, and clearly, when we have other people who can manifest, hold that for us is exceptionally helpful. But you can find just at a tissue level how the body moves towards healing, moves towards healing. It's empathic. It's called anukampa, which means it, it, it shivers. With a sense of where where does this stress end? Where does the tension release? Where does the having to hold it together relax? And we've been doing body work to help because sometimes we just don't the body just doesn't know where that is. Because we've lived inside a very constructed body a superimposed socialized body, right? With all the kind of things that happen to bodies when people look at them. And the way we work and operate very much 
constructs our bodies in certain held ways. And eventually your body starts to deform into that. It looks normal, but you know, you say, look, when she will her back doesn't move. <laughs> you know, the hips don't turn. The arms are pressed against the side. Are you not normal? <laughs> Why is the shoulders hunched over? It's normal. <laughs> yeah, it, it normalizes. So, but then doing some of this body work is to show the body, hey, you know, that, that piece there that you never even noticed. They could open up, you know. Well, we're really indicating track pathways to release. And when the body senses it, oh, there's the same taste again. Taste the freedom again. There it is. A release of stress, pressure, because something, we've done some sort of work that indicates, go that way. Rather than go that same old habit, go that way. That's the way out. And it's rather like as you, you know, as I'm trying to encourage you in your, your physicality, you come to a tense place in your body, you want to give her that tension. You do not like tension. So you wrestle with the tension. And your energy goes into that tension, and your mind constricts around that tension, and you wrestle with that tension, and it gets more tense. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so the cultivation is, could you widen and soften around that? Could you melt your, your intentions? Connect, melt, open, widen. Non-aversion. Let the body know the way. Open the, open the way for the body to find release. So when we cultivate uh, in any level, these are important paradigms. The constriction, the compulsion, the obligation, the stuck, the I am, the I never, the I was, I ought to be, <laughs> I never will. Any of these, oh, that's a core of constriction. Very fascinating liberally speckled with stories and adjectives. Widening, who is this? Softening, accepting, winding, pausing, sustaining, mindfulness over it. Non-constructing. What, arrive, what can come through from the unconstructing? Now, if we try to construct an idea of what will come through, we've missed the point. There's something quite fresh, mysterious, and faith-bound. It's unplanned. You go so far with the plans and strategies, you know, just to create a proper holding, and then this is the time where you just 
the others. Mm-hmm. And uh, in there, there is a pointing to the place of not doing, not constructing. Mm-hmm. This is always an Ivana property, it's called, or an element. Okay. Is it undoing the unbinding? Although, you know, we may think all Nibbana happens after 15 years and fourth jhana. Endless struggle. Actually, Nibbana is called an element. It's a, in other words, the elements is like fire, air, water, earth. Space and an element property called Nibbana. So, you, know, you just you know where fire is, yeah. You know where heat and vitality is, yeah. Okay. You know where solidity and density is, yeah, and movement, yeah. Do you know where non-constructing is? <laughs> <laughs> You could say it's between two thoughts <laughs> as a property. It could be that one. Uh, it could be, you know, when the mind's trying to construct but can't do it. It could be right there, couldn't it? That's not constructing. It could be that don't know moment. It could be that open moment. Could that be it? Can we go there? And you, once you get a sense of that, you realise just the uh, almost like the subtle precariousness of it, because the mind so wants to fill that up with something, construct something out of it. Well, that was good. How did I do that? How did I manage to do that? <laughs> I'll do it again. No, no, that's not going to do it. Yeah. So it was that that uh, the faith really is often uh, a very powerful entria, you know, not a, a leader awakening. Means that trust of. And uh, when you uh, just begin to get a sense of what your life is about, and you, as we've been experiencing some of the precariousness of our situation here, where some of the knowns have been taken away, and the flights have been cancelled, the train's been delayed, or uh, of this and this, and this, and block, block, block. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, could this be a Nibbana moment? <laughs> well, I guess, well, I could do that. No, I could do that. I could do that. Oh. <laughs> could that property arise there? 
could it be that some of our frustrations by themselves, in themselves, are Nibbana vehicles where you can't go, can't, no, no, no. Could it be the things that have so disturbed us and touched us in disagreeable ways are actually, you know, the, the fierce teachers saying this is where you cannot construct an answer, a future, a reason, a purpose, you know. Stop. Rather than seeing something we have to run away from, could we open into that, that humility, that self-effacement, that vulnerability? That's that touch where there's a possibility of the release. Now this clearly is um, somewhere it's the last place we want to go, is it, partner? It's also, uh, you know, if you can, if you have the encouragement and the nourishment and the fortitude and, the, you know, and the softness and the goodwill, just to enable one to just linger a little longer in that place and open to it, this. He's saying, you know, this is where this is where this kind of really on the mark teaching of dukkha is the way to nirvana. Sounds tough. But that's the door. Through there. Through that door. And there's the, uh, the one who gave me one of these powerful similes. He was generally quite an artist. Similes. He said, Well, I'll tell you what. So somebody says, Okay, what do we do here? In the morning, we're going to shoot you with 100 arrows. Afternoon, we'll shoot you with 100 arrows. And the evening, We'll shoot you with another hundred arrows or spears or something like that. This will go on for about a hundred years every day. At the end of which you'll have realised the Four Noble Truths. If somebody offers you that deal, shake their hand. <laughs> because this will be, I tell you, this will be accompanied by joy. How did this guy get any followers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because most of us had been shot by a hundred arrows and spears. 
that really oh, enough of the complaining and the blaming just let it go so you know everything revolves around holding this matrix which is liberation is is a difficult you know matrix to hold but building up these resources and it can keep the mind, the heart available, present, open to, capable of that move through that door. And this is really the only, uh, the only way. And it's, it's just round and round and round and round and round. So as we cultivate, as we recollect, building up resources, cultivating skillful means, the taste, the flavour, maybe this is what you can taste, take with you, rare, special, blessed, in this world, in this life, in yourself. So, 